0: To partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 21 Building Your Business Plan, Creating Your Marketing Plan. I'm Laura Lodge here with Candace Moon, and we're excited to welcome you to our ongoing podcast journey. As your hosts and founders of Start a Brewery, we both have extensive experience in our areas of specialty. Candace is the craft beer attorney, having worked with more than 500 brewery clients over time, and my background is a mix of distribution, event planning, and craft beer education. You can find more information about us and our contributors, plus a whole bunch of info and resources at startabrewery.com. We'll start with a word from our sponsor.
1: Founded in 2012, Radcraft provides communication support for the beverage industry. From maltsters and hot farmers to craft brewers and distillers, Radcraft's partners are makers of thoughtful products and cultivators of radical ideas. Learn more at radcraftbeer.com.
0: This will be episode 21 building your business plan, creating your marketing plan. Since we are in business plan mode here, there will be listeners that simply don't know where to start with creating a marketing plan, as well as others who either don't take the time to make one for their business or understand its importance. Since it's still early in the podcast journey, we have plenty of time to do a deeper, more detailed dive into the nitty-gritty as we get into plan, act, open, and grow, which will follow our website path. But this is the time to set that up to make it accessible less scary and more functional practical and not just an exercise for the bankers if you're following the podcast you know that this episode follows a two-part dive around getting into the numbers with audra Gejunis of brood for her ledger and carrie shumway of craft brewery financial training and beer business finance so we've tackled the numbers and now need to learn about creating strategies to make them happen we always work to welcome guests from different areas of the beer world and today is no exception I'm excited for this conversation. And with that, I'll pass the baton to Candace.
2: Hello. Okay. So we're pleased to welcome to the table today Ann Obenchain, Vice President Marketing and Communications with the Brewers Association. Julie Rhodes, owner and strategic business consultant, not your hobby marketing solutions. And Bill Latmore, Sales and Marketing Director, Head of Beer Strategery, Fatheads Brewery. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Okay, so I'm going to start. I'm going to ask each of you to give us a little of uh, a little story of background and um, experience um, as an introduction to the audience. So, we'll start with Anne.
3: Hi, everybody. I'm Anne Obenshain. I'm the Vice President of Marketing Communications for the Brewers Association, the trade association for small and independent craft brewers. I've been in the beer industry just over six years. Uh, Before that, my career has spanned uh, mostly in the outdoor ski and entertainment industry. So I've worked with startups. I've worked B2C and B2B. Um, one of my claims to fame is introducing the first shape ski for women in the U.S. way back in the day. So um, I can scale lots of different marketing plans for small businesses, national scope, or or regional. So glad to be here.
2: Thank you. Julie?
4: Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Rhodes. I'm the owner-operator of Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions. Um, I'm a strategic business consultant for small to medium-sized craft beverage companies that want to optimize their off-site sales plans, marketing plans with a focus on digital and also distribution management as well. Um, I have been in this industry in food and bev for over two decades, so a little over 20 years now. Uh, I've got a BA in marketing. Um, I cut my teeth in the import industry so bill and i have some crossover as well (laughs) and uh yeah i i'm excited to be here and dig into this because i think marketing plans are something that um everybody can work on regardless of your size or where you're at
0: thanks awesome
2: thank you uh and bill
5: oh i was listening to how many years people have been in the business and i guess i'm gonna have to say I'll be at 26 years in the beer industry now. I was I guess I got this one on top here. Um, it's gone fast. Uh, started on the import side for sure. Uh, was selling Newcastle brown ale back in the day when 4.7 percent brown ales were intimidating and scary. Uh, moved on to Belgian style beers and went the complete other way. and I can tell you, nine percent quads can be intimidating and scary. Um, oh, <laughs> and now I've settled into, um, kind of, the, I guess where a lot of the sweet spot of craft beer is today. Um, you know, we're very IPA forward here at Fat Heads. And, uh, so, um, yeah, third phase of my career, uh, I learned what hops are. So.
2: <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, let's jump right in. So I feel like we got a lot to talk about today. Um, and I'm going to start with you. With your background in different industries you have a unique perspective on what exactly a marketing plan is at its core how would you describe the essential function and importance of a marketing plan
3: uh, i would say essentially a, a marketing plan is your strategic roadmap and i like to liken it to a road trip right so if you're taking a road trip you've got to plow a uh, plot not plod plot your your route. Um, figure out where you're going to eat, stay, get gas, what sites along the way, um, how long it's going to take to get you there. If you take an off ramp to go see something, what happens when you get back on, uh, what you need to bring, uh, how much is your trip going to cost or how much money do you have to spend for your trip? So if if I look at it like a road trip, it doesn't seem to me to be so scary and big, you know, it's like, especially for small businesses. So, you know, you want to liken that to how much budget and human resources do you have, you know, to implement your hopes and dreams of your business. And then you take steps along the way from there. Okay.
2: Um, So Bill, moving into the beer industry specifically, what have you seen to be the most important elements of an effective marketing plan?
5: well i think there's a there's a few things that are absolutely mission critical and i think at the core of it at the crux of it is is it, you really need to be able to define and crystallize why your beer why you know what is the differentiator what is the the single maybe not single but what is what is it about your product that is creating a a different lane to operate in for that retailer. And so once you can answer that question, and once that is, you know, something that is able to be transcended, it can be communicated across an entire team internally and externally. Then I think to me, the most important thing is, is consistently and rigorously staying true to it and really making sure that your voice and your personality and your tone the things that you choose to be able to that you choose to be able to engage with that you choose to participate with are all consistent to that you know kind of kernel of dna that is at the heart of what you represent
2: nice okay julie one of the essential sections of a business plan is marketing how do you ah excuse me how do you suggested components like barriers to entry and threats and opportunities prove to be important to the new business owners as well as to the bankers and investors receiving the plan? Are there some examples that come to mind where these threats or barriers might prove to be a warning to the new owners?
4: Um, There's a lot. And first, <laughs> before I... Yeah, it, this is a chunky question. This is a very hard question. Um. But first of all, and I actually have one of my like teaching graphics is literally marketing and like brand awareness is like point B where you're trying to get to. And it's a little car with like as a road trip (laughs) where you're trying to Please know like you and I are in the Oh, I didn't see that. Well, I talk about like marketing being like getting from point A to point B, right? With like brand awareness of like, so what do you need along the journey, right? Like you have to figure that out, like budget wise and what you're going to do and activities and all the things. So um, I love it that you gave that example. And um, so as far as, you know, barriers to entry, threats and opportunity, I think first barriers to entry, I think sometimes falls into like a big strategic bucket for business plans. Um, It could like, it sort of straddles like um, strategic plan and then like marketing as well. But it's definitely something to think about, especially right now um, with the market being the way that it is, we have a lot of brands, especially if you're planning on selling in the wholesale channel, that's a big, big challenge that we face right now. So taking into account like current marketing or excuse me, current market conditions as far as like number of competitors, um, you know, distribution footprint, like looking at those different things, that's going to be a big part of it. Because if you're looking at your different marketing channels and marketing strategies, you're going to have to know what you're facing um, before you start planning that stuff out. Um, The other big part of a marketing plan and this kind of comes standard. Like if you just Google business plan and it mentions marketing, it's like SWOT analysis. That's like on like everything, right? With the little, you've got a grid and you've got four quadrants and it's strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Um, your strengths and weaknesses are internal Your opportunities and threats are external. Like kind of think of it as like things of in your control, but things out of your control on the other side. I'm also talking with my hands, which this is just audio and you can't see me, but I'm like gesturing. <laughs> Um, but I think that's something that gets overlooked quite a bit, especially with people that are just getting started. It's not busy work. I have my clients, uh, some who have been in business for over 10 years, go back to the drawing board. When we look at creating a strategic marketing plan and dig into their SWOT analysis, because, um, it helps to know kind of what you're working with and what you're up against. So internal factors, like what do I have going for me? What do we do? Great. Um, and then also looking on the external side of like what's working against us, what are the market conditions, what kind of things are we gonna have to mitigate? Um, And knowing those, having a clear picture of those is gonna help you figure out what to market, when to market, what to talk about in your marketing materials, what channels to put it on, so on and so forth.
2: No, I totally agree. I, um, a lot of times will So I teach a class on writing business plan. And what I tell them from the beginning is that very first draft of the business plan. I mean, the whole business plan is for the business owner to figure out what it is, how they're going to put their dream into bake it reality. And so really, I have them kind of do a sketched out rough draft, which is a lot less intense, really just to see is this something you want to do? Like, have you actually thought through all the things rather than just like, Oh, opening a brewery would be so cool. It's Like, well, have you thought about where you are and what kind of beer you want to make and how that, how you fit in the marketplace and kind of what are, you know, the opportunities or the barriers, you know, have you looked at the market conditions? Do you realize it's harder now than it was say 10 years ago? Um, so yeah, I think that is a huge, hugely important part. Uh, and just as a reminder that this business plan is for the business owner first and then once you've decided yes i want to move forward i want to go for this then you want to go in the nitty-gritty and the detail and get it where a banker or an investor is going to want to see it and also buy into to your dream laura did you want to add something too?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah i i wonder and and maybe this is just an anybody question but there are so many breweries right now um, if you've got a concept that is very much in line with somebody that's geographically near you, uh, that's kind of kind of the same, and you don't really have any big differentiator other than the same thing that they're doing or making a similar kinds of beers, like to your point, Bill, if if somebody's focusing on IPAs next door, and they're half a mile away, how much how much bandwidth do you think, how much market, uh, how much will the market bear in terms of the same? concept if, if somebody's trying to launch something and somebody near them has already done that thing is that the awareness of find something different and don't do it or is it maybe the market can can do that and people want multiple brews kind of doing the same thing
5: that's that's i, w- I was really thinking about this ahead of our call um and i it, and it comes back to i think a couple things with that person is saying there thinking about what they want to do they really need to define what success looks like for them and i think a lot of people don't do that as thoroughly or they're just like oh i'm going to do this and i just want to make money well i think obviously you need to adapt and to new opportunities and evolution but realizing kind of the scale of your ambition at the start and do i want to be a, a nano brewery do i want to be a group do i want to be really local do i want to try to extend and be distributed through wholesale do i want to cross state lines um, every time you move up and down that ladder, more obstacles come into play, you know, different uh, challenges come into play. So I think defining what success looks like and coming back to what you're saying, Laura, it's like, at what point, like, is the juice worth worth the squeeze as well? Right. So, you know, how, and fundamentally I, I, I'm a little bit anxious. I would be anxious a little bit in this current environment we've doubled the number of breweries in this country since 2015 the size of the pie hasn't gotten twice as big <laughs> um it, you know everything we're, we're being threatened in different areas uh outside of beer let alone um so it's it, i think it's really important for someone that's starting out to um be very specific about what they think their business looks like and the achieve the, the level that they hope to achieve and make sure that the ROI is there when, when they get to that critical threshold point. Um, it, and you're right in a world where everybody's making 50% of market's IPAs or whatever it is. This is what kind of came my first point. If everybody's going to run the same playbook, how do you differentiate? Like
1: imagine having a
5: conversation with a retailer and saying, I want you to take you know julie's julie's ipa down and i want you to put my ipa up okay tell me why and if you can't answer that question you're back at square one i think in many ways
0: right i i see a lot of uh, restaurateurs do the same thing in terms of i want that space and there was a mexican place in there before that and i want to do mexican and for whatever reason they feel like theirs is different like the market's going to respond differently to theirs even though there's nothing substantially different about their concept or their execution ability and and why is theirs going to succeed where the other one did not and i i there's kind of this mystical feeling that goes with obviously since it's my idea it's going to do better and i think sometimes when you get the swot analysis that maybe you should pay attention yeah. not everybody does yeah. they say oh yeah i can't i did the thing i could check the box yeah
4: it's not a box to be checked i hope it's okay that i jump in and yeah just it, mm-hmm. i would say um this is an example that I use with my client partners all the time, and this is something I learned way long time ago when I got my degree, was that if you think about it this way, like if I make winter coats, right, and I say my marketing plan is to market these coats to everybody who gets cold, ugh, that's going to be really hard, right? Like that encompasses like a lot of people across the globe. But if you are somebody like North Face or something like that, and you say, I want to market to people who get cold while they're camping or while they're doing an outdoor activity. So then I have like waterproof, wind resistant. It's not just like something warm, right? So then you're adding like additional uh, elements to that, that optimize like what you do well. Um, And I have to plug, uh, what is it? Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if anybody else has read that book, but like, I'm going to go meta here, like I, but I would love for breweries to read the book and think about like, great, I'm good at making IPAs, awesome, well, what makes yours different? Okay, we're really good at like dry hopped IPA, okay, now we're getting somewhere, right? Like I'm really good at dry hopped East Coast IPAs, and then like you think of it like concentric circles, so like you keep asking yourself like, so what? or why, you know, so you let go, you basically drill down into what makes you unique, or what makes you stand out.
2: Great. Let's take a break from a for a word from our sponsor.
1: Founded in 2012, Radcraft provides communication support for the beverage industry. From maltsters and hot farmers to craft brewers and distillers, Radcraft's partners are makers of thoughtful products and cultivators of radical ideas. Learn more at radcraftbeer.com.
2: Okay. um, Anne, let's get back to you. Another business plan mission is to find and understand your target customer. What has been your approach to this? And how do you strategize to target that customer without losing others who might be interested?
3: I think this is a great follow-up to the conversation we were just having, too. And it's it's understanding, you know, okay, you're understanding the competitive climate. Are there other breweries in the same place that are exactly like you? But it's really critical to understand the demographics of your area and who is that customer. So your your local convention and visitors bureau will have that data. Some of these other uh, other businesses will have that data in your market, but you you need to know like do you have colleges in town? Do you have? Is your area primarily retired people? Are they active? Are they young? Who are they? Um, so that you can first understand who you're talking to. And then think about i make this really great ipa but what else what else is going to differentiate me to reach the customers in my local market and i'm just using local market thinking most of these breweries starting a brewery are going to be small versus going out outward Um, and thinking about you know first you're you're in your attract stage so Um, You can work on specific messages to specific groups, but I think it's going to be super important to first understand who are the available customers in your marketplace before you to determine who your target customers are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I could say, I want to go out after, um, or I'll use an example for, we work on the Great American Beer Festival, right? 40,000, 60,000 attendees every year. And we've made a concerted effort to bring in younger and target younger consumers. We're fortunate that in Denver, young people from 21 to 24 are churning through downtown like crazy. So we're looking, you know, they move in, they graduate, they move in, they come into Colorado. Um, So we have specific marketing plans designed to meet them where they are in social media, through influencers and all of those folks. But in addition, we also have the beer lovers who've been coming for decades. Our message to them is very separate and that's an owned audience that we already know who they are and we can have that one-on-one conversation. When you're first starting your brewery, the first thing to do is determine who is out there that you're gonna talk to and develop those messages.
2: Got it. Uh, Bill, generally key competitors aren't hard to find. How would you recommend that new breweries work or work to find or design a niche of their own or positioning that will differentiate them from the competitors? You know, I feel like we've actually just talked about all that. (laughs) I'm not sure that was a new question.
5: Well, you know, I think that what's interesting today is competitors are coming at us from all different sides, right? And it's uh, it was seltzers for a while. Seltzers were were really, and and people talk about competitors. We have to remember competition takes all sorts of different forms. If someone's stealing shelf space in the grocery store, um, they may not you may not perceive them as a direct competitor, but all of a sudden, if there's less real estate to work in um you you are getting you know pushed by that that entity but seltzers you know were the hot thing and you know canned cocktails whether they're malt beverage cocktails or whether they're spirit-based cocktails um you know and if and you know a few of us have been around for a while and we've seen you know the ciders be hot for a while we've seen the the cycles of this is going to be the new thing it's going to last forever and then three years it's gone hard lemonades hard teas like it, it's not just, um, beer, but I do think while we've, I think the craft community has always enjoyed a a little bit of a kumbaya and and a lot of working together. Um, and a lot of like, we can, um, eat big beers, lunch a little bit, like let's all work together. Uh, and there's plenty to go for there. It is becoming harder and harder as, as you know, there's 9,000 plus breweries out there that, you know, we start to look at the people down the street from us. Um, we'll sell them hops, <laughs> but they're at the end of the day, they're still a competitor. Uh, when I'm going in and trying to get you know distribution for my beers or trying to get shelf space, and I think you have to we we have to start looking at it a little bit more. That's the way the market's evolved, um, and that's just a, an indicator that craft's been successful too, though. For sure, yeah, and
2: actually. That actually made me think about a point, which, you know, I, I think a lot of times when people are looking at key competitors, they're specifically looking at other breweries in their area, and they probably need to be thinking about craft beer bars, uh, restaurants that serve beer, if they're going to have a restaurant. I mean, those are potentially going to be competitors as well, at least when you're starting a marketing plan and based on your your location. There's a, probably a few different ways to look at it. So, uh, Julie. Julie. When you're working with clients, how do you suggest they approach marketing from a financial standpoint? Is there a percent you use of sales, net or gross revenue that you recommend that startups or newer breweries can use as guidance?
4: How much hate mail do you want me to get (laughs) after I tell you a percentage that should be devoted to marketing and sales budget?
2: from every other
4: vendor or for breweries <laughs> I will tell I, I will say and this is literally in my like little scratch pad notes that I made for this episode today this is like one of the hottest button topics that I get from people all the time and it's a big like do you do it on percentage do you do it on like dollars and cents per gallon per barrel per pint you know what I mean is it based on sales is it I, you know, Candace, you're a lawyer, you get a, a lawyer answer. And that is, it depends, it depends <laughs> on who you're talking to. Um, <laughs> like, uh, because if you're talking to a marketing person, I'm going to say, yeah, it should be, yeah. And I'm going to give you some percentages. I'm not going to waffle my way out of this. Um, but if you talk to a, like a CPA or somebody like Audra, she's going to be very specific about like what goes where. So I go by personally. And please know that this can vary, but I use, um, what's given as an example from like the U S SBA, which is the small business, um, administration. Um, and this is just a rule of thumb, right? Like it take a, I'm going to give you a million cliches, take it with a grain of salt, you can adjust it for your own organization. Um, but when you're first getting started, um the number is like 12 to 20 percent of your gross revenue or your gross projected revenue if you haven't opened the doors yet and this has a caveat right so this also depends on where you're at in your product life cycle or your brand life cycle so it, this is debated too on how many phases there are but it's basically startup growth phase maturity and then decline if you're on the left side of the spectrum which is startup and growth which can be anywhere from zero to like 30 years as a brewery, it depends on market conditions and how well you're established and how you're growing all that stuff. You're going to have to devote that 12 to 20% of your gross revenue because you're still working on brand awareness. You're still building that. There's like an education piece, right? So you should be focused on building brand awareness and encouraging customer trial. That's all you should be thinking about with marketing. Like if your marketing activity doesn't tie back to that, you should probably kick it to the curb because it might not have a good ROI for you. If you're on the other side, right? Maturity or decline. I hope you're not in decline. We're talking about start a brewery here, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you can afford to spend less on marketing because you have a well-established brand that doesn't require as much of an education piece or expansion, right? So that number is like six to 12% of your gross revenue. Um, And I also don't want to throw that out there and then not tell people what's in that. So what I put in that, and again, it depends on what kind of professional you're talking to about this, but what I personally put in there with my clients is stuff like, um, you know, print and digital advertising costs, uh, software, that you're using, you know, like an email service provider, your web host, web developer, stuff like that. Um, Creative costs, like labeling, um, logo design, uh, branded merchandise, um, you know, festivals, sponsorships. So when you think about it that way, that's a big bucket, right? Like 12 to 20% of your revenue can go out the door like very quickly when you have that many elements in it. So hopefully that helps a little bit. And then I'll just wait for people to throw stuff at me. (laughs) <laughs>
2: and
3: I, I think that's great Julie and I would say too like you put the web developer in there but I think for for planning purposes you also will need to and I know we're going to get to social media in a minute but um, think about human resource to manage what how what percentage of human resource so whether it's you as the owner or are you are you able to hire staff to manage and fulfill all of this marketing whether it's answering social media or implementing some of the things that julie mentioned
2: definitely
0: laura um this this kind of goes back just a little bit i was wondering if you feel like there's a different um i guess split or focus in the in your target audience if you're marketing local versus marketing a little bit broader for a statewide or maybe a regional level, maybe this is a good bill question too, how much stays with the you know 25 to 40 year old male, which is traditional, I think-ish, um, and how much are you branching out? I feel like if it's more local that you're doing more different target markets, but if you're more regional, do you kind of lean more traditional?
5: Well, it's interesting in some ways, you take the model that Julie was talking through, and you could almost apply that overlay that for us a little bit geographically. I need to spend more in Philadelphia, you know, kind of per target audience member, however you'd want to define the metric. Versus, we're lucky we have kind of dual home bases. We started in Pittsburgh, we're breweries in Cleveland. So, in, I call those like my home markets. And, you know, when being local is awesome, having two home markets is really awesome. Um, but like, I, I've already got like a, uh, there's a price of poker that's already been covered in Cleveland and Pittsburgh that I don't need to, I can start moving beyond that. I can, I can operate at a level or two above that because of the awareness that we have and the trial and penetration and awareness that we've already accomplished over the years. So in some ways we're on the maturity scale, we're a much more mature brand here. And then when you go to Philadelphia or Kentucky or Indiana, I'm back down almost at the start. Uh, I'm in that early. I need to overinvest phase, and that's when it's really, really important in you know circling back to your business plan and really defining what success looks like and the ROI out of those outer markets. The further you get from home, so now I have to sit there and say, well, I've got you know six and seven hour six to seven hour drive for my freight costs to get out to Philadelphia. I've got inventory management I've got fresh freshness concerns I got to put a body on the street there I got TNE I got a vehicle I've got health insurance I got everything that comes with that and then I need to give that body and that market enough resource to penetrate the consumer base and, and, and at, a, at a level that resonates at a level that connects with people and when you start you know is that staying within your 12 to 20 percent or whatever your number is for your own business? you might find on a market by market basis, you're just you're not getting you're not getting over that threshold. And then you really need to reevaluate how do I operate in that market? Can I distance man to that market? Can I what can I do with my marketing plan to to pull costs out? Or or have I overextended myself and maybe I've taken my brand too far. You know, I remember when I was at Omegang, and we did some analysis and realized that um certain beers that we were sending to to the state of Washington from Cooperstown, New York, you know, when you get to do the hard math on it, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're pretty much paying to send beer there. <laughs> so that's what, you know, so it's really important that you have all the right people and all the right functions that are, uh, have their pencil sharpened for these exercises.
2: No doubt, Julie.
4: I would be absolutely regretful if I did not mention this. I, for anyone who is creating their business plan and thinking about selling in distribution, so out, you know, outside of your tap room, outside of your home base, outside of like own premise that a lot of us call it. Um, you have got to budget for sales. You have to. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget that or overlook it, um, you know, I, like Bill was saying, like the, the further you get away from your home base, the, the harder you have to work, um, to make people aware of your brand and to want to choose it over other things. So you are going to need things like a sales rep and materials. And if you're working with a distributor, they're going to, there's a marketing spend for that. So if that's part of your business plan, like, Hey, we're going to start with a tap room and like, year one to three and then in year four and five we plan on selling in distribution just go ahead and budget that in like project that out because you are going to have to have a sales
2: spend as well as well as the margin you're going to lose to the distributor of course
4: that's a whole other episode (laughs) that's a that's
2: a whole other podcast sorry i'll
5: come back for that one please
0: (laughs) To,
2: to noted bill draft you back definitely um okay and actually you know and, and I had one thought as well that I wanted and and I think people forget about it is that we always talk about products and I think everyone thinks initially oh that's the beer beer's the product but when you're first opening don't forget that your tap room is also a product um and kind of how to market to get people into your tap room, not just to get people to buy your beer, but to come visit and spend money in house. And so I think sometimes people, you've kind of got two products going um, at the same time. So, um, well, let's move on because we still have another round of questions um, uh, before we get to time. So Bill, in your experience, how important is brewery location and pricing to positioning in a market? Can you create a marketing plan or products so compelling that they transcend the need to be local or on the shelf at 50 cents less than or exactly the same price as your competitor in order to succeed?
5: Yeah, you know, in the, I, I think in the early part of my career, I was a lot more focused on price uh, certainly than than later on. And, and I think just the experience and understanding uh, of the way the consumer engages with brands um, kind of help that evolution. It, I really think, I don't really think it's it's about the 50 cents here or the 50 cents there. I think it, it comes back and we talk, it circles back almost to where we were at the start is when that consumer looks at the shelf or looks at the draft tower, um, do they, do, have we built up enough um, in their mindset that they think the value is there for pulling that brand. So if I, if I, done is my marketing plan succeeded in, you know, moving that consumer mindset to the point where they like, they're not looking at the price per se, they just say that brand means uh, as much to me, or I have enough affinity for that brand that it makes sense to me. Now, if you start to get two, three dollars difference on a shelf versus the competitive set, you know, that starts to um, you know have a different conversation. But I think if you're operating in that band, I, I just don't think that the that the consumers are that finicky if you've done if your marketing plan and your marketing team have, have done their job. I, I think if you try to win on price, it's uh, it's a short term shortcut. Um, to win on price. And I don't think it sets you up for the long-term success. And one thing I will say that I think is interesting about the environment we're in today than we were years ago is the sophistication of the consumer and the fragmentation of the consumer base. You, you, You think about TV shows of 25 years ago used to be successful if they had 25 people watching them. Now, if they have 2.5 million people watching them, they're considered successful. And I think it's the same way you can get, you can find your audience faster and you can have more direct um, dialogue with them than you've ever had before. And, um, and you can really um, have, have two way communication in a way that you, you really couldn't for a long time in the past. And I think, one of the things that we should be aspiring to, and I think the people that are doing things really well are creating those evangelicals, right? So you can turn your audience into evangelists for your brand so that when they're going to make those shelf decisions, um, they're not looking at price. They, they, they built up that goodwill, that uh equity in their mind um, through the work you've done. And at the end of the day, I I come back to the best selling ever the most successful selling technique ever is it was a recommendation from someone I trust um and so I really would encourage people not to get too locked in on price because again you you need to you need to have that PL that un, uh, allows for 20% marketing spend um so be careful that you don't go down the well that price can become for you Laura
0: Do you think that it's easier to build kind of that mystique, that magic, that that, of course, I'm going to pull that because that brand aligns with me or that magic aligns with me? Is it easier to do that with a quad or a stout than it is with an everyday drinking beer?
5: I think that, you know, obviously there's been a lot of people that have had success by by playing outside the lines. Right. But they're not they're not running the same playbook as everyone. Um, And. Got bus. I mean, if, if you can do that and you can sustain it, um, we're very fortunate, I think. We're 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 really well known for our IPAs, but Bumbleberry keeps the lights on. Um, Bumbleberry pays the bills, uh, pays a lot of our bills. And that's a that's a honey blueberry beer. Uh, you know, so it's operating in a segment that's not very particularly competitive. When I look at, I call it a flagpole segment. If you look on these IRIs, there's one really big uh, somebody has 80% of the market and then the rest is a flagpole of a little, 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 little. We, in our market, we have a second one like that with Dortmunder, uh, Great Lakes. Nobody's threatened Great Lakes Dortmunder in, in Northeast Ohio. And so I do think if it's, if it's not too niche, right. If it's, if it's, if you can find a way to have something that is extremely well differentiated, but has a broad enough appeal that, you know, it's sustainable and and it can reach a meaningful critical mass, then absolutely that I think that's that that's the one we all wish for, right? Um that's it's certainly an easier easier play.
2: So Ann, let's move back to you. With the advent of social media, how did your marketing campaign shift? Do you- Find that traditional media still plays a significant role?
3: I think you, yeah, you were breaking up. So hopefully you can hear me. Um, Oh, sorry. Okay. So um, I first want to define traditional and social media. So traditional media can run the range of your website your online listings, it can be print advertising, it can be radio, it can be out of home. So billboards, transit, those types of things. And social media, how I define that is the two-way conversation. And since the advent of social me- of social media and social channels like Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, now X, and, and others, um, customer expectations are that you're on 24 seven and they want to have that conversation, um, for starting a brewery, it's critical in my opinion to do both. And I, one thing that's critical is your website is not a social media channel. So you want to make sure that your website has all of the information and it's up to date, uh, for your, for your business as well as some of these other free things like online listings, event calendar listings. So back to your question, it changes, you need to constantly check on it. You should have a balance of both, but it goes back to understanding how customers and your target customers in your market are consuming information. Social media is the best way and most economical way to get out there and and start those conversations to attract but if if there's some quirky little paper, you know, out there that everybody reads, you want to be sure you're in it. So you got to really pay attention to what's going on in your area or in the region that you're advertising and then develop your plan from there.
2: So which actually leads me a little bit, too, because um, I'm very curious of the use of influencers on social media and how that would play in.
3: I I can, I mean, we work with influencers a lot. That goes back to human capital. Influencers require an extensive amount of of management. So I can say, hey, Bill, hey, Julie, I want you to go out and become an influencer and I'm gonna give you all the free beer and, and food that you could want but how are you gonna measure what success looks like? What is it you want them to do? Do you want them to post about your, your business? Do you want them to come in and create their own user-generated content, film video? What is, you need to carefully map out what you need to do and what you expect from them. How are you gonna measure it? How are you gonna check in? Are you paying them or is it in kind? That could be a whole other episode that I'd love to, <laughs> love to return for.
2: <laughs> I would definitely have a lot of legal comments on that one. Julie? Yes.
4: Yeah, I think um, I. if you could see me like cheering in the background, of, like for people listening, but they, it goes full circle here with knowing your target customer, what Ann was talking about, knowing how they consume information or how they prefer to consume um information and i'll give an example because somebody asked me just like a week ago should we invest in billboards and i was like i don't know where's your brewery right like if your brewery is close to a highway yeah you might want to that might not be the obvious choice as a startup but you know excuse me if you're if you're right off of a highway and that makes sense to like draws draw people's eyeballs like off the interstate and you know, head to your brewery, like is it easy off, easy on like that. That might be a really, and that's traditional media. So it kind of depends, like you got to look like full circle at every, like all the aspects of your brewery, if you're just getting started, um, you know, maybe you're back in like a little industrial area and a billboard doesn't make sense, but, you know, maybe um, you have a really young uh like customer set, like right there in a good proximity and they would gravitate more towards social media. So maybe an influencer would be a good idea. And then this goes full circle to what Bill was saying is that the reason influencers work so well, just in case people don't know, like the, the gravity of that is that it's somebody that you trust, you know, somebody that you like see all the time online and they see on social media, that's why influencers work so well. Right. So like, if I can see, oh, that person Um, I trust them with like what they talk about or the information that they give or like the brand value that they give. And then they're speaking about your product. It's like an Amazon review or something. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, I use this. I can vouch for that. Like, this is great. Maybe you should try it. So I think it just depends on like where you're at, but you would have to know all the elements that we just talked about, which is like, what are your marketing objectives? What does your target customer look like? You know, how much of a budget do you have? So on and so forth.
5: Bill, yeah, it's interesting. In many ways, you're dovetailing your brand onto another brand, right? So they, you're you're saying this brand has done a really nice job. Person X is a brand when you're using them as an influencer, they're a brand. And I, th- I would just say the important thing there is, is being careful to make sure that you know because you want the positive benefits of associating with the brand uh, whoever you're partnering with and that's not just influencers it could be it could be sponsorships it could be you know um, it could be you know different venues or things that you operate within but i do think you know you you almost need to do that, you know that that real important homework of making sure what's the downside what are my risks with influencer x or sponsorship y we did a, we did a radio buy a few years ago with the local sports talk station. And, you know, sports talk is supposed to be a little bit polarizing a little bit. There's, it's you know, two guys sit there and agree all day. Uh, it's not really compelling radio, um, but, you know, there, you know, there was one that was the out-of-towner and, you know, he wasn't originally from Cleveland. So there's that. So you got your, so how many emails I got from us choosing to associate with him. And then we had somebody, you know, another side of the equation, uh, had a domestic uh, spouse issue that was publicized. And when you're the advertiser on that show, those questions come back to you. So the, the social media boomerang on is, well, you're choosing to be on there is that you know is that what your brand stands for, and then you've got to answer those questions. So I would just say, you know, there's a lot of upside and value in finding the right partnerships, the right brands, and leveraging the to get that influence and in the megaphone that comes with it. But be aware of the risks that come with it as well, and do your due diligence and homework um, because you know, you know you, you're making an active choice, and you're all eggs in, in that basket at that point. So. Very true.
2: I think I've seen that over the years, too, with uh, some brewery collaborations. Uh, Just know who you're who you're partnering up with because it will reflect on you. Yeah. So we are getting close to time and I want to hear everybody's uh, final words of advice, words of wisdom for startups in the in the marketing world. So, um, Anne, let's start with you.
3: I was thinking about what is the long-term saying of know thyself, right? Marketing plans are, are not one size fits all. And it's really important to really, really know what are those differentiating features, who you are, and where you want to go. And um, you're going to make mistakes along the way. We all do. Business changes fast. Just be nimble. And uh, you'll learn a lot.
2: Awesome. Julie?
4: Got two. I couldn't narrow it down to one, but the first I, cause we did touch on like target audience and knowing your customer and things like that. But I want people to push themselves to go beyond demographics. Um, I think they really have to remember things that we refer to in marketing as like psychographics. So like their activities, their interests, their hobbies, their buying preferences, um, you know, habits, things like that. Right. So like think outside of just like traditional marketing demographics, like age and location and things like that. Um, I also want them to think about brand awareness level, cause this is something that a lot of brands don't think about. And that is, um, you constantly have to be like casting a really wide net all the time. Um, You're going to have people that don't know about your brand, which we call like cold audiences, right? Like brand unaware. You're going to have people that are sort of middle of the road that maybe follow you on social media, but they've never been to your brewery. And then you've got like loyal customers, right? Like hardcore regulars and, and word of mouth folks, right? So think about your marketing plan, not only in like customer personas, but also in awareness levels so that you constantly have a plan for like garnering new business, like new business development, but also nurturing your existing customers and thinking about like, what channels are they on? Where do the different audiences hang out? Where, you know, what are the awareness levels on Instagram versus my website or email market, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, So think about that. And then to take ROI beyond just financials. um, I want you to think about like, learning curve? Do you have the tools that you need? Like Anne was saying, do you have the human capital that you need? How much time is it going to take you to like maintain whatever it is you're looking at, like content creation, a blog, email marketing, you know, DIY web development, stuff like that. Um, And then, you know, do you have to learn it? right? Do you have to totally learn how to build your own website? Like, may, You might be better off outsourcing that and then focusing on your social media yourself. So thinking about ROI going beyond just like dollars and cents, but like time and effort and, you know, what it's going to take to get it up and running and maintain it.
5: Excellent. Bill? Uh, a couple things. I think remembering that good and even great doesn't always win. So it is important that you really um, have that X factor understood. Whatever your X factor is going to be, be able to understand and convey it. I see seems like every third advertisement on TV uh, is for a dating app or a dating site. And I think if you think about you're, you're going to be putting yourself, you're creating your your profile, whatever they call it. How do you get people from... I don't know which direction you swipe or you don't want to swipe <laughs> and then they're not dead. So you, you need to really be able to figure out what is going to get people to stay on that, uh, stay on your profile. What it, What's going to keep them there and uh, understand it yourself and then be able to communicate it to your team and consumer world. So.
2: Got it. So I, as an attorney who has dealt with this on more than one occasion, my final word of advice is do not completely build your marketing plan, brand, et cetera, around a name or a logo until you are sure that you can own it. <laughs> uh, I've had quite a few people come in with a name that, they aren't able to trademark because someone else has uh, a beer name or a brewery name or a winery or, you know, whatever. And they've built their whole marketing plan and brand identity around, you know, the main word in the name or, or a logo. And then they have to go completely back to the drawing board. And it's, it's heartbreaking to have to give that news as much as it is to hear it. So keep that in mind when you have that name, you love, check it out before you go running with
0: it. Your marketing plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you all for such an awesome session. I feel like we've touched the tip of the iceberg in several ways. It sounds like we definitely need a deeper dive into influencers. Anne's going to come back for that. And Bill's going to come talk about distribution with us. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, thank you to all of you and also to all of our listeners for joining us now and in the future for episode 21, building your business plan, creating your marketing plan of the Started brewery podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode 22, how will you leverage your brand? This new episode will be released before the rooster's crow on Tuesday, October 20th.
1: The Radcraft Co-op provides a toolbox of resources for craft breweries who want to step up their game without paying an arm and a leg for traditional agency work. Join us at radcraftbeer.com/join the co-op. That's ragcraftbeer.com slash join the C-O-O-P.
0: While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Start Brewery website at startedbrewery.com, a free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their breweries. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process, plan, act, open, and grow, at the educational resources and at the offerings from our savvy contributors in our growing library. You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Startup Brewery contributors, content, events, and more great information on the contact page of the website. We also encourage you to explore the All About Beer website at allaboutbeer.com, perhaps pop in to enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well. In the meantime, this has been Laura Lodge and Candace Moon, wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery.